Episode 109 is here, everybody, with internationally acclaimed piano player Yaron Kohlberg. And really appreciate Yaron's time today coming on, talking about his journey, his path, and of course, now president of the Cleveland International Piano Competition, one of the top piano competitions in the entire world. And it was a fascinating conversation. Check him out online, clevelandpiano.org. Before we get there, folks... This podcast is continuing to grow, and it's not a coincidence. I really appreciate everyone's support, and the messages are coming in from random people, people I know, some people I don't, and uh, word is spreading. So thank you for continuing to spread the message. Continue to share, subscribe, and even uh, like the podcast, comment, give us the five-star rating. Uh, We are continuing to elevate and climb the charts in self-improvement podcasts here uh, in the United States and maybe even across the world. So thank you for that, everybody. And with that said, as always, folks, please now sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Yaron Kohlberg. The Optimal Life. Yes. Good. Welcome. Yaron Kohlberg, maybe one of the... Maybe one of the top few pianists in the whole world. Is that safe to say? Or are you gonna you gonna be modest and humble? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's modest or humble, but uh, well, this definition is certainly. <laughs> I would not say that, but it's uh, yeah. I just play piano. You're very, <laughs> you're very good. You just play piano. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about you live in Little Italy, which is a fantastic place, man. Especially in the summertime. I love Little Italy because it's, uh, as I was just uh, telling you before, it's uh, just a very, um, you know, it's a very cozy neighborhood and you can just, you know, go out and grab a coffee, you know, with everything within walking distance, you know, yeah. so I have like restaurants and cafes and uh, my gym and it's close to University Circle, relatively close to our offices, like it's only 15 minutes drive. And What's the uh, name of that gym over there by the hospital? The Tremont. Oh, the Tremont. There was yeah. another gym over by the hospital. When I was in law school, I used to go work out. I can't remember, like one, one-on-one or one-to-one. Oh, there's like this that. one too. Pull yeah. that a little closer to you, if you would, too, your own. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, just, just, just bring it in if you can. There you go. Um, yeah, there's a that's a great area. That whole area. I, I used to live in Coventry when I was in law school, and it's the same thing. You could walk, you go out. You don't have to worry about getting a, in a getting in an Uber. You don't have to worry. You can go out for a drink. You walk home. It's great. Yeah, go for a run. Everything. I mean, it's really like a wonderful, especially coming from different countries and sometimes from bigger cities. So this does give a, it, it, it really gives kind of a neighborhood feel that you can kind of walk everywhere. When did you move there? How long ago? Uh, well, I moved to America. I moved there and to America like a year and a half ago. That's it? Yeah. So in the first two months, yeah, I was living with one of our, you know, with a friend of mine who's also a you know, our, and now she's our board chair. Actually, she was hosting me at the beginning, just as I was getting adjusted to the city. But yeah, I've been living in America for a year and a half. So, were you living in Israel prior, or where were you? Uh, I was living in China for three and a half years, and before that, in Germany, in Berlin for four years. So, kind of around. Around <laughs> is, is this how you started this multilingual journey of yours? Because correct me if I'm wrong, you speak six languages. Yeah, is that's, that correct. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did you learn them as you went to these different countries, or did you kind of learn before you got there? Um, so most of the, I mean, some of them I learned as I was living there, like Chinese and German. I was living, I was uh, studying maybe like you know just a few lessons before, but I was actually studying it as I was living there. Um, Spanish and French I st- studied kind of separately. 
um, and uh, Hebrew. So, the, so you speak Hebrew, obviously. That's your native tongue. Yeah. What else? Spanish and French. Yeah, Spanish and French, German, Mandarin, and uh, well, English. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Chinese, well, Mandarin. Mandarin, yeah. the Mandarin Chinese. Wow, that is incredible. And are you still? Flu would you consider yourself fluent in all them, or do you lose some of it? Uh, I consider myself fluent in most of them. Mm -hmm. um, the, of course, like in different. Actually, Chinese was probably my number three. I was as I was living China. Of course, when you don't speak as much, it takes a little bit of time to kind of pick it up again. So I lose words now. My French is what used to be my number three. Now I would say it's my number six because I kind of I haven't. I'm not practicing it. So uh, yeah, so it's going. It's, French is going it's, to it's, the yeah, back burner. Not, not yeah. as. But if I go to France, I get by. Yeah. yeah, and you probably pick it back up quickly too once you get back out, right? Like once you get surrounded by the people talking and yeah, and after it, it probably takes a few days and then. Uh, How do you say the Optimal Life podcast is the best podcast in the world in, in Mandarin? How do you How do you go with that? Where was the optimal life in all that? <laughs> yeah, optimal life. Well, like it's so hard. This is like the best. And uh, Shenghua, actually, I forgot to say Shenghua, which is life. So okay, nice man. Yeah. <laughs> start using that as my opening here. <laughs> so so okay, so w w t take us back a little bit because take us back take us back to when the whole piano thing started. What age were you when you started playing for the first time? So started playing when I was seven years old. Uh, I had a really amazing uh, teacher. Um, that was. Uh, probably one of the best ones around uh, and uh, my mother my parents are both musicians my mom is like not a professional uh, my, my mom is is a professional she was like the concertmaster of Jerusalem Symphony Orchestra my father is not a professional he was a professor for Islamic studies at the Hebrew University um, but uh, also like played amazingly well so are they both Israeli yeah Isra Israelis uh, my mom is from Italian origin like her parents were from Italy Okay. And my grand and my my father, yeah. So okay, German and uh, Polish, you know, the Ashkenazi Jews. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know that. <laughs> so you started playing at seven. Why? Did because your parents wanted you to, or you wanted to? I wanted to. I wanted to. Um, to kind of, you know, I loved the music, and I was really influenced by a piece that my father played for me, and I heard my parents play also. You know, from a very young age, and then I wanted to play this piece, and I was like, "Oh, when can I start? Uh, like, well, how how long it will it take until I can play that, this piece?" So the first time you played, did you know you loved it? Um, well, I don't remember that really. At the beginning, I was really lazy. I didn't want to practice, and I was most kids. But I think after like a year or two, the environment, like everybody around, whether it's like all my 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 teacher was kind of you know this Russian Jew, and like she has all her friends, and they started. They had a lot of like uh, student concert, like um, the young kind of pupils uh, concerts, and they, then they started speaking about me, and you know I didn't really understand anything. But uh, well, you're so young at that age too to have that discipline, right? You're not seven years old. I mean, yeah. So at, yeah, at nine or it took me like only years later when I was like fourteen or fifteen, I got discipline after I changed teachers. But like this teacher kind of helped do everything. Kind of, of course, she was pushing me to practice. I didn't practice that much, but somehow. Um, yeah, it got going kind of pretty early. Uh, so when I was like 10 already, I had my first recital, uh, like solo recital in Jerusalem. Then when I was 11, I went 11, 12, I went to represent Israel in like uh, many big halls in Europe. 
uh, you know, for the Independence Day, and then I was on the biggest talk show in Israel when I was 12. Holy cow. Yeah, so it was kind of, uh, so it's before you actually realize what you want to do, so it's kind of defining for you, you know, before you actually start thinking, what do I want to do with my life? I was already kind of defined and seen by the society and by my surrounding as a pianist. That's incredible. So within five years, you're still a child, you're not even a teenager yet. Five years, you're playing this piano, this instrument, and you're now you're being recognized by people in the community, on TV. You're the piano player, right? I mean, yeah, that is uh, that's that's the way it is. Which has, of course, if we look on the uh, you know on the outcome, like la years later, of course, like it has like uh, you know the uh, implications, like as you know positive ones and some ones that later you have to deal with a lot of things that you know because the of pressures that. that come with it and the expectations and those kind of things yeah and yeah. exactly and like knowing where you're standing because you grew up in this kind of bubble and then you go out to the world and uh, you see that the world is you yeah know, you're you're very you see that there's a lot more to it a exactly. lot different than what you've been exposed to and not exactly everybody's like sitting and waiting only for you exactly. <laughs> that there are like some other pianists out there and some other like uh, yeah so Okay. This is, of course, I mean, everybody has oh, to I see. realize and, this. Because you, you're, you're in, in this community and you're in this little bubble where you're the guy, for lack of a better term. You're the guy. You're the piano guy and you're the best. You're the best around. There's no one that's even close. Then you're getting older and you're being exposed to people outside of the community, right? And throughout the world even, it sounds like. And then you're realizing, oh, there's a lot of other people that are pretty damn good too. Well, there's, yeah, so it's uh, kind of even like uh, within Israel. And of course, like you get like like anybody the relatively young i had like a lot of success i won a lot of competitions you know as a you know being in my youth and then but later on of course there you go through different things whether it's like uh, you know by traveling or by things that you don't do as well in or like questioning a lot of things uh, changing like, like teachers what? like what what are some of the things what age are you talking about when you're traveling around and questioning things. What? How old are you about? Well, I think like uh, I never really questioned being a pianist, really, because it was always it was already defined in me. Like so, but there were moments that, especially when I was a teenager and I was changing teachers, there were like a lot of moments that I didn't um, feel that I was playing well, and I like that I felt like I was not playing as well as I I wanted, and like there there were like moments like that I went to. Uh, a couple of competitions that I didn't win you know when I was like again like uh, 18 or something I was like one time I was in Israel in this competition and I went to the finals and then I didn't win and I remember myself uh, being so frustrated that you know like uh, how is it possible even I couldn't kind of it, it was very hard to kind of handle that and also getting a lot of criticism from my former teacher that heard me in some concerts and like that anyway so you, you become very sensitive to to these things what are the things that you're questioning at that time? Questioning the, the the work ethic? Questioning why you even started playing ten years earlier? Like what? Right? What are some of the things that you're really dealing with? Well, back then, I have to kind of get back to these feelings. But sure. you, uh, it, it's kind of just a frustration of like feeling that you're not. Um, I don't know that you grew, that I grew up believing that I'm like the best at it. Or I'm like the pianist. But then you grow up and see that the world is and it's a also a good thing in the long run of course because like the way i grew up was also because israel is kind of a country that again for the positive and for the negative is a country that kind of hugs you it can be even suffocating sometimes but like everybody's like all over you and you know you know every i knew everybody and, and i had a lot of also friends and stuff so everybody like really involved but then when you go out there you you know you it, become a uh 
you become a smaller fish in a bigger pond. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Exactly. And uh, so you realize, especially like when you go and like you see after these in international piano competitions and going to play all over the place, like you see that it's not exactly that it's not all surrounding you. Right. There's other people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's other people involved. Either, right? <laughs> yeah. So that was probably in like in my teens. I had like this kind of uh, sure starting course, to realize course. that. <laughs> now you're obviously you're you're already as a teenager you're being recognized as one of the best pianists. What ta what does that take? I mean, what are the weeks and hours and the days like? How, how much time are you putting in? Uh, so I think like when starting the age of like fourteen or fifteen, I started practicing like at least six hours a day. Um, wow! Almost on a regular, almost every day after school. Five six hours. Yeah, I used to do after school when I was in the doing my military service in Israel. I I had this thing called outstanding musician, which is like an exam that you pass. Um, yeah, and I, about 20 or 30 people from all the country get it every year and this is like special conditions during the army so that you were allowed to continue to play so you do kind of more kind of I was working in a clinic in my service so yeah so something six like, hours a day for yeah, how many years do you think you're doing like, this I've probably practiced six hours a day until uh, for about 15 years or something oh my gosh so all yeah. the way until you're like late 20s yeah 30 years old yeah I mean of course like sometime here and there's like periods that you're practicing maybe a little bit less or like some uh, days that you have days off and uh, stuff but like so it wasn't like this but generally speaking yes wow that's yeah. incredible so while all your peers and your friends they're running around and doing god knows what they're doing you're sitting there day in and day out at the keyboard perfecting your craft it's really what it takes yes if you want to be the best if you want to be one of the best in the world i mean you're being humble you're internationally acclaimed one of the top pianists in the world i mean you've won how many international competitions i don't know but i yeah, probably around 10 or something 10, prizes, 10 international yeah. 10 international prizes what does that mean when you win a is that mean you beat won the whole competition or that you come in the top three how, how does that yeah work? It, i mean there's like different i mean sometimes i won first prize and some sometimes i won second prize like I did in the Cleveland International Piano Competition, but this, the thing is that it's art. We have to understand it's art. It's not. It's not like a racing car kind of thing that the first who crosses the line is the winner. I mean, this is when you talk about arts. I mean, it's very. It's of course there are certain uh, there are certain standards in in many things that you can sort of judge upon, but uh, it's also sometimes harder to define, and there are a lot of different factors that come with it. So you also need a lot of luck to be able to proceed that much. And I have some some friends, pianists who are great musicians who never won anything in competitions. And I also know cases of people who are not very special and had a lot of success in that. So it's kind of... That's yeah. probably true with almost everything in life, I think, too. There's people that maybe might not be as gifted who end up really going to the top for whatever reason. They, they catch some luck, timing, whatever. There's these external intangible factors at times that kind of glide them to these places and then there's people that bust their tail for year in year out and they they're great but they never get to that right to that pinnacle they never reach that level that that international acclaim so i think that's probably true with with a lot of things whether it's business or sports or you know anything that's true you really have to kind of learn like know how to grow i mean you have to kind of maybe kind of yeah you a lot of it is luck but uh, you do have to know how to take your whatever you have and also grab opportunities and stuff like that. A lot of people 
miss opportunities because they are yes. not aware or because they're afraid or because of this I was like kind of sometimes and of course like you you, you just don't have to be afraid of failure because like I don't know many and maybe you can I, I don't know if you agree with me with this uh, that I think that most people that have success in anything or reach something are people who went through a lot of hardships first 100%. and people who failed who's failed I mean and, and it's not really failed but like who had like their harder moments or the moments that didn't go so well this is the only way because it makes you stronger it may gives you experience and uh, this is how you and it makes you hungrier it, when you went got exposed to the rest of the world and you realize oh there's some other talent out there I guarantee you that motivated you absolutely I mean you of course you you ask yourself where you are in in, in, in all of that but you also need to I needed a lot of confirmation from my surroundings maybe because of the way I grew up and then at some point you understand that first of all not everybody's gonna always be supportive of what you do or people are gonna question and if you have also success or so people are gonna be maybe I don't know a little bit less happy and this is just the way it is and you have to kind of accept it uh, and then it's uh, once once you do and you accept yourself for the again for the negative for the positive so things uh, just like you know they go the way they should yes yeah You mentioned that some people grab a hold of the opportunities and some don't so what did you do to start grabbing a hold of these opportunities a lot of stupid things um, for example like uh, I thought it was like sometimes you think you know I, I've been kind of taking myself uh, to live in different places around the world just like that without really knowing what's gonna happen kind of I had the sense for things but uh, for example I I was in Israel living with a the girlfriend that I had at the time we were together for several years and kind of had like a good comfortable life there and I decided to go to Berlin to Germany to start this piano duo with this uh, uh, with this friend of mine an Arab pianist that and I didn't really know what was gonna happen I didn't really have a lot of friends I was going to a foreign country living after the Israel which is like a country that this going to a freezing place and a place that is uh, yeah kind of a challenge and then moving to China that was also I think how old were you in Germany when you yeah, left? 27 so 27. I left relatively late yeah and um, so then you were there for a few years and then around 30 you went to China yeah and when I was like 31 I moved to China and again I wasn't planning to really move there I was thinking to go for a few months to kind of check it out and to study Chinese because I'm very passionate about languages and I had some concert tours there there but then later all sort of opportunities started happening and then I became kind of more involved with it and I started I actually loved a lot of aspects about it a lot of things in it how, what, what how do you you're in Israel you've got this life you've got this girlfriend you seem to be enjoying life and I what, what about Germany is pulling you was what, what did you see in, in Germany in terms of opportunity well a lot of musicians uh, especially in a smaller sort of country like Israel they kind of leave for the bigger markets you know they leave to study in my case again because I was so connected to Israel and Uh, it took me time to leave many people leave after the military service some even leave before but uh, you know at 18 or at 21 a, I got a really good scholarship in the, the Tel Aviv University to stay there also for my master degree and I had a girlfriend and I had like all my friends there and I had my soccer team and I'm a big soccer fan and like sure. everything you know I didn't want to leave all that it took me time to sort of like but then I understood that if I want to like uh, I, I saw this kind of opportunity and like in yeah kind of going out there and kind of doing and trying that and yeah so I have to take it I have to do this yeah because when you're saying opportunity are you seeing what well, what's the opportunity exactly well the opportunity is sort of uh, at this time I said I want to 
take my career to the next step. I want to actually make something out of it. I didn't really have a strategy back then. It was kind of more because as artists, we're sometimes not very practical. We have these kind of dreams more than actually being practical. Being practical is something that I studied along the way a little bit more. I'm still not always excelling at this, but like, um, yeah, there was kind of, I'll go out there and like just try. So it was always like driving kind of just We're just going to go for it. You're, you're yeah, going just for gonna it. Go you're for putting it. all your eggs in one basket, you're going. Yeah, going for it. Yeah, and I said at the worst case, and this is something good about Israel. There's uh, the worst case, I can always come back. So I went to Berlin, not knowing exactly how long I would go for. I ended up staying there for four years, and I ended up never going back to Israel. Yeah. So you go to China. Yeah. And you have a great experience in China. You're continuing to further your career. So the, the, that did that catapult from Germany to China? Where is this? Were you, you know, accelerating? Yeah. So I mean, in Germany again, we were a lot with this. Uh, duo pianos like we played two pianos with this guy who's an Arab and this like people really reacted well towards that we had a lot of concerts all around the world we played in wherever you, I mean we played live on TV in Japan in the biggest like this and we played in the Metropolitan Museum in New York and like uh, Kimmel Center in Florida I mean we played in a lot of really big and we kind of saw the world we had tours all the time anywhere you can think of basically who's booking these tours so we had like a lot of agents so at okay. the beginning when we started working together we wrote to all sort of agents and we had like a great response from a lot of agents who wanted to present us so some of them were this some of them were like personal connections that we already like uh, had before and like we had a recommendation letter from Zubin Mehta who was like one of the greatest conductors out there and um, it's sort of like, and we had, and we made this nice video, and people reacted very well towards it. That's this. incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. So you would go there, then you go to China. You're advancing your career further, and then what happens from there? So, like in China, it was like three and a half years. That again, it was a great experience. I mean, like had again, like any great experience, it had all sort of moments. It has like really great moments and also some really bad moments and moments that I was asking myself, where is it going, and like how is it. But I, I was learning, I opened my own company with a local friend and uh, a kind of uh, trying to sort of do things between China and the West that we kind of understanding the Chinese market, which is, China is a different animal. We can talk about that or not. I mean, but it's a very different kind of place. But I learned a lot there about a lot of the ideas that now kind of we're implementing at the, you know, at the Clean International Piano Competition that I'm president of. And the reason that I came here, I mean, are things, kind of ideas that I implement in China, like that I thought about in China and things that I've been learning traveling around. So yeah, so then what happened was that I was invited to be on the jury of the Cleveland International Piano Competition, which is one of the biggest piano competitions in the world that I had the privilege to be a silver medal of like uh, in 2007. And when I came here to Cleveland, the previous they told me that the previous president left and it sounded and I always wanted to kind of take this organization and organization and kind of implement all sort of like ideas that I had, like to not only be a pianist that plays for people, but actually also influence the world of piano and like uh, go through all sort of things that need. So I was gladly the board chair at the time heard me in some private event that I did and also the way I presented things and invited me for an interview. And I got the job same day. What was this, two years ago? Yeah, a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So you were living in China. Yeah. You came back to Cleveland, which is, you, you knew this this Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland... The piano competition. Piano competition. It was one of the most internationally recognized in the right? I w I'm a winner of this competition yeah, you from, were from like... Yeah, exactly. Right. So, 
So you knew all about it, obviously. And uh, you jumped at the opportunity to come for the interview. Well, it was like it was. Uh, I was here for the jury, so I kind of. Uh, and then, when such an organization that I had like s amazing memories um, of like being a winner, and I remember the community here, you know, being very supportive. I kept in touch with some people. I kept coming back, and I felt that it's a wonderful. It. I mean, when such an organization of such scale of such like uh, uh, with with such a support uh, is kind of asking you to 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 manage it or like to 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 be the president of it this is not something you that, had to be to. that had to be humbling for you yeah that's yeah you know what's shocking about that that's incredible what's shocking about life to me is that little did you know in 2007 when you're here competing right yeah. that 10 years later or 11 years later whatever it was exactly that they'd be interviewing you and offering you the position to be president of this organization i think that's incredible it is. It's quite something. Like I always laugh. I say, okay, I started off as a contestant. Then I was a juror. I was playing concerts here. Then I was a juror for the organization. Now I'm the president. I don't know what's next. Maybe the piano tuner or something. Or like, like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like right. you're gonna I work your way out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know. So yeah, it really turned out amazingly. And I think that again, I believe all is from. I don't know if you want to call it God or you want to call it something else. Depends who's who's speaking. But I mean, that something's just had to happen. And this was the perfect and I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I got here because uh, that I, I got the support and uh, I still do you know from the community and from the people involved with the organization and uh, you know what's fu interesting about that too Yaron is that it's almost like every little step in life builds upon the step prior and it's like it's just all those steps it's Israel it's, it's seven years old it's the competitions at 13 and and 14 it's starting to get out as a teenager and working your way through Israel and then saying I'm gonna take I've got the balls I'm gonna you know I'm gonna pursue this I'm gonna leave and go after my dream I could always come back it's Germany it's China it, you know and then th throughout it you're playing at all these competitions as you said and you're traveling the world and you're actually in Cleveland in this competition you know it's just weird how it all works out because I truly believe that if you didn't take that whole path there's probably a really, really, really good chance that you're not sitting here today. Absolutely. So anything that you do is a later, exactly as you said, has a consequence of what comes up next. And uh, it has been sort of like a like a journey, really. I mean, uh, of of things. So I mean, every person has his own personal story and a journey. And for me, really, things worked out. And if not, for example, if not for China, I would have never gotten this job. Like it, it just had go. to happen this way because of all the things I learned. And by the way, also within this, within the job, I when when I got the the and I was doing such a thing for the first time last year. Also, you understand a lot of things I've been learning. It has been like a learning experience. And now we are in our team. We're kind of working things out for them to work in the best way possible for the because it's also working with the team. We have a wonderful team at the at the piano competition. Uh, of people who are making that happen and we have a great board of directors a lot of donors and supporters very you know kind and generous ones that are some of them became very you know great personal friends uh, such as uh, your parents even yeah, <laughs> we yeah, can say yeah, that sure. yeah sure so so it's a it's been a network right it's been learning it's been a network what well, as the president of this competition tell first of all tell us what Cleveland piano competition what, what is it exactly yeah okay so 
basically as a um, as a concert pianist I mean there are many lots of a gazillion young pe- people start playing piano out there right and then at some some of them get to a high level in which they kind of see themselves wanting to do that professionally there are not nowadays are not that many ways of kind of getting how to so how do you get yourself out there so piano competitions are actually giving the pianists the opportunity to ex, to get exposure on the highest level on the biggest stages that there are possible the Cleveland International Piano Competition has for many years it's an organization that exists for 45 years and is considered one of the biggest piano competitions in the world because of the reputation that it gained throughout the years because we present the Cleveland Orchestra in the finals so the Cleveland Orchestra plays you know it's one of the probably you know top two or three in the country top five in the world and we we give the contestants the opportunity to perform with the Cleveland Orchestra in the finals that has to be incredible yeah this is there is no other competition in the world that does that so and like a great prize money of $75,000 first prize and a launch of a concert career so there are a lot of things by the way I always like telling the story that when I was in China applying for a work visa, the only way to get an A-class work visa in China was by being a winner of some, of like five or ten competitions that were written in Chinese on the website of the Chinese government, and the Cleveland International Piano Competition was one of them. Wow! So this is like how their reputation goes. That's how big it is. It's it's that far-reaching. Yeah. So we have so, but in the last few years, the organization kind of grew and expanded its activities. So now it's not only the competition now. It's piano in general, so we do concerts, we do education projects, you know, community outreach. Uh, there are a lot of things happening, so basically with a kind of a, a vision of making Cleveland a premier piano destination in America. I mean, this is kind of what we want, you know. That's the uh, mission, that's the vision. Yeah, exactly. That's the vision. Kind of to have more and more uh, st- kind of uh, people involved and excited about piano music and it's different, like... Uh, and now the competition uh, itself is 15 days, is that correct? Yeah, so the competition itself, the next one, is taking place this year. And it's like uh, July 26th to August 9th, 2020. It's going to be a super exciting event. Um, we're inviting 24 contestants from all the world. And we have more than 240 applicants from 28 countries. And these aren't just any type of applicants. These we're are the best people in the world. These days I'm listening to some of the applications and later we're going to come together as a, there's a jury of five who selects them. This is a tough process. They're all really, really good. Top class. How many world. people are on the jury? Five people in this in the there's preliminary th- juries. There are five that I'm chairing it. And then in the actual competition, we have eight jurors from eight different countries that are going to be on that jury. Wow. So how in the world, and I, you don't need to get too detailed, but how do you guys narrow down 240 of the best? Like you said, this is not going to be easy. What What are you looking for? What are you looking for, for people that stand out? Of course, there are like certain like technical standards that nowadays a lot of these pianists have, but we are actually, and, and musical, there are a lot of kind of details, again, that for musicians, for example, like the way that they the way that they approach the piece how do they respect what the composer wrote like bring what the composer wrote together with their own uh, personal say let's say it like this way and how and what uh, measures what tools do they use 
uh, whether in terms of like their musicality or their technical abilities so are you saying somebody, like maybe that. somebody plays like a Mozart piece I'm, I'm just making something yeah. they play Mozart but they put their own little style to it they put their own little exactly. flair to it okay exactly gotcha. so this is kind of a little bit subjective but there's still like certain things and then like they're kind of the, the, the sound that they're projecting on the piano the kind of the rhythms that they're selecting the how they kind of emphasize the different voices and the different nuances that there are between these in, inside these pieces wow that's got to be incredible. That's got to be a fun process, though. It's a fun process. It's very difficult. Yes. And uh, But we're certainly going to try and do our best to... We should start a show like The American Idol. We should do like a American Pianist, you know? Something like that. Ab- you know, this is like... Uh, I'd love to do something right. like that. We yeah. have to see exactly how... One step how, at a time. But yeah, but yeah, well. yeah. But... Uh, but that's that's incredible. But by the way, we're already in this competition. Twenty twenty is one of the things that we're gonna do. We are gonna interview the contestants before and put it like some kind of on a video before they go on stage. So actually, people can listen to that. Another thing that we're presenting, and this is, I'll just speak shortly about what's coming up before please the competition. Do, we do. have a listening series that is basically for those who are kind of who love piano music but don't really know what it's about and they want to kind of know more. We are presenting a listening series called a Prelude to Piano which is going to take place in three venues in town starting the end of March to the beginning of June of this year at the Bob Stop, the Praxis Gallery, and Gilmore Academy. So three different parts of time, taking the piano out of the concert hall and in a very kind of engaging and interactive way kind of presenting what is piano music about, basically. That's what it's about. Like, how do we actually approach it? What's so great about it? Those who are going to attend all events, which are all free, by the way, to the public, are going to be able to be on a special jury during the competition and even give a prize to their favorite contestant. Where are they going to be held at? So these three are in the Praxis Gallery, uh, Bob Stop. Oh, okay. okay. The Bob Stop, which is in the West Side, and uh, the Gilmore Academy. And where is the Cleveland Piano Competition? So the competition held? itself is taking place, most of it is taking place at the Museum of Art. Garner Auditorium and then the finals oh, at Severance Hall with the Cleveland Orchestra. Wow. And how many people compete in the finals? So we have four finalists and they're, uh, we have first, second, third, fourth prize. Wow. Yeah. So Wow. That's first gonna, place gets 75 grand. That's not, that's not chump change by yeah, any means. Yeah, it's not only the money. So we have a mix yes. and first prize and then we have like a lot of other they get exposure to a lot of I mean we broadcast it internationally and they get huge exposure there wow what what can that do for somebody I mean after they win a competition like Cleveland Piano what, what, where, where do they go with that so first of all we engage them in many many different places around the US and not only in the US also like internationally so they get gigs they get like exposure in many many different places we give them sort of like a support like management support yes. and stuff like that we guide them we stay in touch with them so and later on the the title of having because it's a very well recognized competition around the world that when they take this title actually for job opportunities later on many of them get like it's a big deal to have that on your resume yeah because now you can go play anywhere in the world and be a Cleveland winner. And be a Cleveland winner. The difference between first and second place, man, that's just so huge. The the the, the talent is is a minuscule, but being first place in competitions, it has to be huge because when you're the winner, you just garner that that demand. People want you. That's true. On the same time, people who are involved in this world, they know that the results are not absolute, and therefore. 
being on the finals, any finalist that going out and having this opportunity is already a huge deal. Actually, participating, being one of 24 who's selected already, if you think about sure. the numbers, that only 10% of the people applying actually come to Cleveland. Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's back to the American Idol thing, too. Uh, the, the the example there's plenty of American idols who didn't win who end up becoming really really big stars so exactly look so at Carrie Underwood look at Daughtry those types of so people. this is give the opportunity you never know where the where your success is going to come from this is why it's so important to keep open and to be always positive and always see who you can meet and come and because a lot of people who come co to compete they're just focused on oh I just need to get my practicing done but it's not only about this it's about making friendships about making because you never know where it's going to come from. It's not necessarily, oh, the, yes, of course, like a first prize in such a competition is huge. On the same time, there are a lot of opportunities for those who don't win first prize. And this is yes. like what we're going to also tell the people that come to compete here. That's beautiful. Are you on a set term as the president? So, I mean, this is, I mean, I have a, I have a contract, but okay. it's basically, I mean, hopefully this is something that is going to... Um, long term. Yeah, long term. Okay, great. Yes, let's hope because you bring a, a, a young energy to this whole thing and um, it sounds like you've got these big visions and big plans to continue to see the Cleveland expand and get bigger and bigger and just reach more people. You know, people do love playing piano. People love playing guitar, but you don't really see... P the piano stuff is not mainstream, at least yet. As many people that there are out there in this world that play piano, it's still not in that mainstream but all the major stars, when you look at some of the most talented stars that are in pop and all this different types of music, country, you name it, they're sitting down and playing piano. Exactly. So at the end of the day, piano, it can be so many things. And I mean, piano is the, you know, it you just touch a piano, you can play a melody. And then, like, it's very simple. As a kid, you can just, like, touch and play something. And then the distance between, like, liking piano music as is and like wanting to dig a little bit deeper because classical music as a as a whole is a little bit more complex than popular music mm -hmm. and this is also the reason that less people get into it however it also has it's also deep and if somebody wants to sit and get into it there's a lot it's a whole new world and those who kind of get sucked in they discover an incredible world and they become addicted to it because it's like there's so much to discover and there's so much like depth and beauty in this so, like so, from an emotional standpoint, exactly, and an emotional standpoint, there's like so much versatility, mm. and so so it's kind of like discovering. It's like you see a painting on the wall, right, and you say, "Oh, I like it," and then you go and you see a Van Gogh painting, and you're like, "Wow!" And then like you see that Van Gogh has a gazillion and like hundreds of paintings, and you're like digging into, and then you see like the, so like you discover like so many, and then you discover all the other people that are like in this kind of impressionist kind of period, and then you see like all the so. It's like you discover more and yes. more and more this li life of beauty, and this gives kind of a meaning. I feel that's fantastic. That's yeah. beautiful. So this is exactly what our role is, is or what we're hoping that it is. That is to kind of give people the opportunity because what it, I mean, music is something that brings people together. It's something that doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter like what your background is. Anybody can relate to them. People and sit and listen together to music. I mean, this is something that, unlike some other things that can separate people. This yes. brings people together. Yes, so does. this is what we're trying to focus on. Oh, that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Where can people find you guys online and social media, all that? So stuff? our website is uh, clevelandpiano.org. Okay. And um, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Just search the Cleveland International Piano Competition. 
Beautiful. And uh, yeah, you can find we're all over the internet and uh, there's going to be a lot of exciting things happening specifically towards the competition 2020. We encourage a lot of our events are for free. We encourage or for very, very low prices. Uh, we encourage everybody to come and be a part of it. Come and listen, like uh, attend the listening series that we're doing. It's going to be tons of fun. A lot of concerts we're doing towards the competition. Of course, when the competition starts this summer, please block off and on your schedule like July 26th to August 9th and be a part of it because it's really a great event. You can come anytime, right? Because yeah. events going on every day. It's basically almost every day we have something in these two weeks. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Good, great place to bring a date. Get out. Oh, totally. To some beautiful yeah. It's going to impress the girl you're taking <laughs> out if you bring right. her to such a thing like this. Yeah. Clevelandpiano.org. Yes. And we'll link it up in the show notes. Thank you. Um, this is fantastic, man. I'm wishing you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to finally meet you. I've heard a ton about you. And uh, we, will be t we will be watching and enjoying the competition this year. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Nate. It's a pleasure being here. And I'm uh, looking forward to you know seeing you in many different opportunities and uh, yes, hopefully in have, our events too. Hey, I'm going to have to find a piano so I can sit down and listen to you live. So thanks, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you being Thanks here. so much, Nate. Thanks. Thanks.